0: Hello and welcome to another episode in APW's podcast series, APW, your partners in property and advisors on the process of buying property in the UK. Today is our monthly mooch around the market and with me to discuss what went on in the property market last month in May are APW property experts, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Paul. Hi, Callum. Hi, Paul. I'm Paul Shearer, a writer and journalist and serial property owner and restorer. Stuart celebrated his 100th episode of his weekly market Roundup Market Wrap, available on the APW YouTube channel. That episode went out in May, uh, which is the month we're talking about. Uh, You're now up to 103, is it, Stuart? Uh,
1: 103 this week, yes.
0: Uh, So it's also available as a podcast, so if you haven't listened to it, um, do have a go. On a podcast, he sometimes refers to charts, so you have to imagine those if you're just listening, but uh, if you watch it on the YouTube, you can see the charts. Uh, So, Stuart, what was it that caught your eye in May? What uh, did you glean from your weekly market wraps?
1: I mean, really, it's just an ongoing situation where you have the mismatch between supply and demand, and you know that has been exacerbated by, obviously, the ongoing you know, situation in Ukraine, which is creating the energy crisis again, that is pushing up the cost of living, and coming out of China, we have logistical issues because of that, because of the, the COVID going on over there. So, all these things are making it harder to get the goods to build property, which means that the there is a lesser amount of property being built than there should be, as we've discussed before. There should be three hundred thousand new properties a year, and this year we haven't even hit half of that, and so consequently. There's a shortage, which is pushing up demand, and it's pushing up rents as well, which is leading to a situation where there's too many people chasing too few properties to either purchase or rent. And that is the current situation in the UK.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, that global economic impacts and how they affect the UK economy, they have direct effects, like you say, supply chain problems for building materials, which is delaying the uh, process of building new homes. But then you've also got uh, economic uncertainties, which certainly the war in Ukraine is going to be creating uh, as we go forward. And it also has a direct impact on the cost of living crisis, which hasn't gone away and, and doesn't look to be going away anytime soon with the inflation rate as it is. Uh, But we'll be coming on to that. As we were recording last month, uh, the Bank of England was putting up the interest rates to 1% and published its bi-monthly inflation report. Uh, Just skimming through that, they mentioned obviously the economic consequences of the Russian invasion of Ukraine had start to be felt globally. And this was slowing the GDP growth in the UK. Euro area GDP was expected to grow only a little in 2022 quarter two. The outlook for Central and Eastern European countries had worsened and their currencies had depreciated relative to the US dollar since the MPC, that's the Monetary Policy Committee's last meeting, partly reflecting the strength of their trade linkages with Russia. Ukraine's economic output was expected to decline materially as a direct consequence of the war, and the Russian economy was also expected to contract significantly this year. I mean the prediction business Callum it's not a great industry to be involved in at the moment is it?
2: Uh no it's not I mean it's difficult it's you know it's very difficult for people to say I mean I think you know as a, as an example looking back at the start of covid I remember um reading some figures I can't remember who they were from but they said that there would be a I think it was a 23% fall in house prices um due to the market closing and and obviously we we ended up with one of the highest growth 12 months we've seen since 2007, you know, so I think it is very difficult to predict. But um, at the moment, certainly everything seems to be suggesting, you know, inflation's going up, interest rates are going up. So most things seem to be pointing in, in the same direction at the moment.
0: But sure, you think that even with this uncertainty, it's it still comes down to that supply and demand economic algorithm uh, affecting UK property?
1: Yes, it's very much a case of, you know, there are other factors in play. You know, I was talking to a client earlier on today, and he was saying that he's from out north of and they were trying to do some get get some property developed. And the local council gave him planning of permission. But the people in charge of drainage and uh, said, Well, you can't do this because we have no idea of what effect these houses will have on the water table, with all their you know building going on and then they're living there afterwards. So we're not going to allow this development to happen. You know, so there's many other things that are creating the housing shortage, not just the ones I've discussed. I guess environmental situations arising that we would never have thought of before that are becoming more important. You know, you look at the problems with the energy. That's going to lead to energy being created in other ways. How is that going to have an effect on supply and demand? So really, there's a lot of demand and very little supply, and that's not going to change in the short term. We're not going to be having a crash, but of a soft landing. I mean, Savills just came out this week with their latest report. They believe house prices might fall by 1%, and that's across the board. So that's looking at some areas that will not fall at all, and in fact will go up, which is where we should be buying. And those areas that are overvalued that will go go down a little bit. But after that, they're saying 2023 should be flat and up towards the end of the period, 2024-25 going up further. So, no, it's a case of we're in a good a good situation from a buyer's perspective. We're in a bad situation if you're a first-time buyer or someone without much equity to put down.
0: We'll be talking a, a bit more about reports across the board. Uh, but just picking up on inflation first, again, they're talking about this 40-year peak in inflation Um Expected to rise, this was from the inflation report, expected to arise around 9% in April and to increase further in subsequent months, averaging slightly over 10% at its peak in 2022, quarter four. Now, obviously, as I say, in the prediction business, they they they've factored in some of the war in Ukraine, but it's a moving prospect at the moment as to what ha- the impact of the grain blockage is on the world economy and how it affects All sorts of regions all around the world. What do you think, Callum?
2: Sobering reading in the inflation reports? Uh, Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of a lot of pressures in there. A lot of pressures on people's disposable incomes and and you know pushing up inflation. I think you mentioned the inflation rates hit a forty year high, and as I say, that's eating into people's disposable incomes. You've got interest rates going up, which is eating into people's disposable incomes. Um, You know, and it's coming on top of the energy prices and. Continued uncertainty, as you say, with food supply and, the, and and energy supply still. So, I think there's a lot of people worldwide, you know, but we're talking about the UK and um, struggling to en- make ends meet. And I think from a from a landlord perspective, that's something you're going to have to think about. You know, are people still going to be able to pay their rent? Are they going to be able to pay their bills? And what situation will that put you in as a property owner and investor? And these are just more things you need to sort of factor in and and make sure you're doing your reading or or listening to good podcasts or people's market wraps, whatever it may be. Well, that's right. In the City
0: Watches, we've been following your pie, the population infrastructure and employment. And certainly, it's the infrastructure and employment that give uh, good prospects for a city or an area going forward. And you can be looking very closely at what kind of employment is being generated in a particular region as to whether your uh, rental prospects are going to be supported Uh, going forwards. But on a lighter note, uh, with this 40-year inflation rate, in the Daily Mail, they published an article which looked back to uh, what was going on the last time inflation was over 9%. So that was 1982. Um, What was going on for you, Stuart, in 1982? They were the glory years. I mean, (laughs) uh, 1982, man. nostalgia is not what it used to be is what they say no for sure (laughs) that's it. I mean
1: we didn't need to go to the gym because the phones were so big by the time you lifted it to your ear it was the equivalent of being in the gym for an hour (laughs) it's just the way it was phones were bricks in those days but it was you know it was Margaret Thatcher at her worst selling off the the council houses causing this huge mismatch that we've got now but also big you know big shoulders suits fantastic
0: it was Margaret Thatcher in power, and until eighty two was, of course, the Falklands War, which had a big impact.
1: You're just talk about inflation there. I mean, we talk about inflation now or interest rates. I mean, interest rates are potentially going up to one and a half, two percent. That's two and a half percent. You know, I just bought my first investment property back then, and interest rates I think went up to twelve percent. I mean, that's a real interest rate. That's like a that's a proper interest rate, not of this namby pamby watered down two and a half percent. And people are worrying about 2.5%. Absolute madness. You know, it's just because the people who are new into the market are not ready for it. And the new buyers, the people who are at the bottom of the market, can't afford it. And that's the problem, really. And the majority of people are on a fixed, a fixed rate in the UK. And it won't be affected by nearly so much. But back in those days, you know, 75, I think a pint of beer was about a pound.
0: Eesh, blimey. And inflation yeah. was 25% in 1975.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. We we had a, a meeting in Hackney at the local council hall. And I didn't vote there, but quite a few of the people who were living there voted mm-hmm. to stop paying their mortgages until interest rates went down. And that was the approach that people were taking. Uh, personally, I couldn't afford it. So I sent my keys back to, the, to UCB Bank for the flat and said, you can have it, I'll move out. And they sent the keys back and said, we don't want it either. You know, you've got to stay there and put up with the debt. So in reality, 20-odd years later, it's an excellent investment. But at the time, it was a very frightening time because inflation was so high. You, know, you could go to the pub, order a pint, and by the time they brought it, you wouldn't have money to pay for it.
0: Well, let's have a look at the uh, – you touched on the Savills report. Let's have a look at some of the other reports, right Move, uh, Zoopla, the RICS report, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. Stuart, what did you pick out from, from those reports?
1: It's again. It's about reporting, you know how it is done. You know, Sunderland was reported as being one of the best places in the UK to buy because it gave you the best rental yield. I think it was up near eight and a half, nine percent. But the point is, the property you'd be buying would be sub one hundred thousand pounds. You'd never be able to get a loan to buy it. If you did get one, it'd be super expensive because of the fact that banks are penalising people for having smaller loans. And then also, is it going to go up in price? It's not. If you look at there's a great um tool that the telegraph has got out where you can go out and, and track the um best places in the uk to do buy to let and it's a free tool and you can put it in it's got a number of different variables it calculates the, the benefits and it was saying that sunderland has got the best rental yield the capital appreciation is rubbish and the the rental market is very small so there's not that many people who want to rent so why would you buy there so it's not really proper reporting of information. And it's the same again, they talk about Blaynow Gwent, is um, one of the best places to buy. It's not yeah. because it might give you a great return on your money, but the properties are so cheap, it's not worth it. They need to look at hardcore, good quality buy-to-let markets with a proper ties approach. And so Sunderland is doing very well. Al Gwent is gonna probably do very well, but you know, it's not for the real market person. So any research should always be taken with a pinch of salt. I had a look at the Telegraph, and uh, you know you don't want to mention names, but there's a lady writing for them who just three years ago was writing for one of the airline magazines, and I'm not sure how much property research goes into airline magazine writing, but not very much. And now she's writing for one of the major newspapers in the UK. That doesn't seem like good good research to me.
0: What do you think, Callum? Anything from the reports that caught your eye? Yeah
2: yeah I think firstly, just on that tool that Stuart was talking about that telegraph uh tool it is it is a very good tool if we can maybe put the link in the description or or something like that. you know it highlights all the areas, the best yield that sort of thing but as Stuart says, you know you've got to dig deeper into the data just because something's got a great yield doesn't mean it's a great investment, and I think we're going to talk about it in an, another podcast yield but from from the um the reports I pulled out a couple of points I thought were quite interesting i mean firstly the interest rate rise and and inflation doesn't really seem to be dampening people's motivation to move. We're still seeing a lot of people moving and the figures to back that up, uh, buyers contacting agents. So people buying is, uh, it's up 31% on normal, which is pretty massive, but then compared to last year, it's down 14%. So maybe we're not as hot as we were this time last year, but it's still running pretty high at 31% above normal. Again, the most growth was in, in the top end of the market. So three, four bed houses, I think up 3.9% in the month, um, which is pretty big. And one one figure I thought was quite interesting. Now, average house prices are up £55,000, higher than they were pre-pandemic. And if you compare that to the two years prior to the pandemic, house prices went up £6,000. So we've got 55000 in the past two years versus six in the two years before that. Yes, I saw that in the right
0: move as well, the popularity of the two to three to four bed family houses. So the race for space is still there. But I get the feeling that probably people are retreating from some of the more remote bits of the countryside and heading more towards the suburbs. But uh, it just that's just a feeling on my part as, as to that's what makes most sense in the current environment. Uh, but I don't know, I could then drill through the figures to try and fine figures that backed up that argument. But that's certainly what struck me when I read that two to three to four bed family houses being the most sought after. Last month as well, there was the Queen's speech uh, when the government sets out its agenda for the coming session with 38 new bills ad- announced. Was there anything people should look out for while they're doing researches into buying UK property that struck you from the Queen's speech?
2: I'd say the, the things for property investors or property buyers would be the energy bill, the leveling up and regeneration bill and the renters reform bill. What do those mean? The leveling up and regeneration is basically about trying to reduce the disparity between sort of urban areas within the UK. And that's got rules like if there's been a a commercial unit empty for 12 months, they're going to try and force the buyer to sell it or to put, put something into it to try and sort of liven up high streets again. The energy bill is about moving towards this, you know, the carbon neutral promises and then I think perhaps the most important for for landlords would be the renters reform bill which I think is the would put an end to no fault evictions which is in itself a good thing because it gives renters you know, tenants a bit more security but it also needs to be thought out properly about how they're going to do it because you know it may just result in landlords not wanting to rent out which would further reduce supply which is not what the government wants so a couple of interesting things for investors. Any
0: thoughts from you, Stuart?
1: Um, the what the the levelling up situation, you know, it was a uh, hundred days ago this week that they brought out the white paper, and since then there's been nothing from the government about it. I don't think it's, you know, again, it's all smoke and mirrors. They don't really have the urgency to, to force these things through with the election on the horizon. So I don't think it's a uh, thing to be concerned about at all. I think Callum's right about the reform bill is the most important thing
0: it depends as well with the leveling up it's obviously something that's going to take time they've announced cash for different regions through various funds there's the high streets funds there's the towns fund and then leveling up money on particular projects but those projects will take time to come through so you won't necessarily see the impact on the ground Uh, but it's something that's worth keeping an eye out for that it's the sort of zoning that happens within the UK as to which areas are going to get a level of government support. But I don't think, as you say, Stuart, I don't think the, it's going to be visible on the ground for a while. That's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Stuart and Callum for their expert opinions. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Paul. And uh, thank you, Callum. Thanks, Paul. And it's a goodbye from me. Next week, we're going to be looking at answering an APW FAQ, Frequently Asked Question. How much do I need for a deposit? Until then, have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series, produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stumm. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcasts.